Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. With the McDonald's app, you can get your favorite thing delivered to your door. So if you were looking for a reason to skip washing those dishes you left in the sink, consider this a sign. Right now, get $0 delivery fee with any purchase of $15 or more, only in the app. At participating McDonald's, minimum purchase excludes tax and service fees. Delivery prices may be higher than in restaurants. Other fees may apply, not valid with any other offer, discount, or coupon. Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that pits two movies with something in common in a fight to the death to see which one comes out victorious. This week, in the red corner, Sly Stallone's rock jock is just hanging out, at least until John Lithgow and his mercenaries arrive and turn his idyllic mountain home into a bloodbath. Time for some redemption in 1993's Cliffhanger. Well, in the blue corner... Chris O'Donnell is after some redemption of his own as he tries to save his little sister and Bill Paxton's Machiavellian millionaire from the slopes of K2. From 2000, he's reached his vertical limit. And we're still on for dinner tonight, right? Of course we are. Okay. All right, Sarah, just keep your eyes on me. Now, don't look... Sarah, Sarah, look... Sarah, look at me. Right. Just start to pull. That's it, nice and easy. Hey, Al, we're going to be out of a job soon. All right, a little more, Sarah. That's it. That's it. One, two. Sarah? Oh, God! Sarah! I think it's suicide. I'll write a check to whoever goes. Half a million dollars. Now, the lives of three... My brother's got explosives. Says they're gonna blast their way right, down. Strap on the nitro. Will depend on the courage of six. On a rescue mission, we don't vote, we don't question, we don't argue. You listen and do exactly as I say. It's a mountainside melee in today's fight to the death. So let battle commence. It's Clash of the Titles. Hello, Clash Butters. You're a lad math punk slag <laughs> who's about to die. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crumpton. I'm Chris Tilly. Hey! Yay! Hey. Welcome to the show, everyone. Welcome, Clash Butters. One and all. Great pairing this week. Cliffhanger versus Vertical Limit. Today is Cliffhanger. Thursday, we're back with Vertical Limit. These are Chris's choices. 
Tell us why. Because I wanted to do Cliffhanger and you two wanted to do Vertical Limit. And now you've watched Vertical Limit. I'm sure you agree. What a pairing. <sighs> also, <laughs> I wanted to do Cliffhanger and he said not to. So that's why this has happened. Remember? What do you mean? When we no, you wanted to do Vertical Limit. I wanted to do Cliffhanger versus Vertical Limit. Right. And, which is, so you know, same thing. And then Chris said, no, you can't. You have to do something else instead. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to do Vertical Limit and yeah. I've seen it again. Yeah. I still don't want to do Vertical Limit. It's brilliant. It's let's, so good. Let's have some fun. It's so good. It's really the puppet master pulling the strings <laughs> over there. I'll tell you what we're doing. I don't think there is a better film because obviously there are a lot of disaster survival movies. You know, you've got, especially one set on mountains, you've got Everest, you've got K2. Oh, good film. Yeah, no, no, this, it's not. It's, look, you have a thing about doing true stories versus works of fiction as well, and that wouldn't work. Because money, money Plane. <laughs> what about Money Plane? We could have done Money Plane. <laughs> That's fair, yeah. For the, for the five-minute sequence in Cliffhanger. <laughs> it's about Money Plane. <laughs> all right, all right, fine. If it, I do want to do Money Plane at some point. <laughs> we'll make it happen. You want to see a man fuck an alligator? Money Plane. <laughs> Actual line from the film. Uh, but it's not Money Plane. Uh, sadly, now I've reminded myself of that moment, delivered perfectly by Kelsey Grammer. Really watch Money Plane. Uh, today is Cliffhanger versus Vertical Limit. I think it's a very close fight this week. Uh, Chris seems to think otherwise. Uh, that's the master of jeopardy over there. <laughs> you kept pushing me. <laughs> you, 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 you like Vertical Limit, didn't you, Chris? Um, <laughs> wait until so Thursday. Did. Wait until Thursday. It's a cracking film. Cracking film. It's close fight this week. So close. So close. So, uh, the clue Chris gave us on last week's show was tremendous. It was also <laughs> about problems mountain and mountain and mountain. <laughs> and as if that wasn't good enough, you followed that up on Twitter with. I, I mean, that wasn't really good, was it? I just asked Vicky. I said to Vicky, she looked a bit peaky. Eventually. Yeah, I was, it was hot. It took a long time <laughs> to get that clue out. That's probably our longest video mm, clue ever. I've still got the, the outtake. <laughs> oh, good. That'll never see the light of day. <laughs> All right, then. The guessers were just hanging out. Just hanging out. On our Twitter, <laughs> at ClashPod. We're also on Instagram, at ClashPod. So congratulations uh, to our listeners. Danny Baker, Ian Robson, Scott Evanson, Gemma Page, who all got it right. But our winner this week with the first correct guess, he won a few weeks ago. He's done it again. It's Paul Logue. Congratulations, Paul Logue. Well done. Your prize this week is a copy of the adult entertainment film, Cliff banger. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, Dirty Girl Limit was unavailable. Gee whiz. What? Lowered the tone? Yeah. They're real films. They're not. I made them up. So. Dirty Girl Limit. <laughs> <laughs> They'll tell you what, the porn it's industry a grower. is missing out. It's yeah. a grower, Fantastic. right? Fantastic. Really good work. Dirty Girl Limit. It's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I missed my calling. Uh, I wonder if there is a job where you just name them. I bet there is. I bet there is. Titles are hard. Mm, yeah. Edward Penis Hands. That's not so good. It's a great one. <laughs> uh, so, uh, a couple of other messages from our Twitter. Uh, firstly, I, I, I know this is going to be met with uh, raised eyebrows and questions, uh, but Golfer Boy has been asking for close to two and a half years now 
for us to do R.I.P.D. Yeah, and, and send it in in January when it's listener picks and we could ignore it again in January. <laughs> I don't see, mind doing it. I don't mind doing it either. And do you know what I've thought? Because I know you don't like doing sequels, Chris, until we've done the original yes, film. Yes, 100%. So we need to do Men in Black versus Kingsman at yeah. some point, the first Kingsman movie, mm-hmm. because those two are good and a fair fight. At yeah. which point... We can do RIPD with, with Ghostbusters. No, no, no. With Men in Black International, <laughs> yeah. because both of them aren't very good and therefore we have a fair fight. <laughs> There's that film I've told you about, with a Dead Something, that's got the same plot as RIPD from the 80s. <laughs> okay. Mm. I mean, I'm going to need more, but mm. Dead Something is a starting point. Yeah. Let us know on Twitter if you know what <laughs> film that is that goes with R.I.P.D. that isn't Men in Black International, which was my suggestion. And finally, uh, from our Twitter, um, this is from our long-term listener, Mark Mead. He says, you three have never sounded so old as when you talked about Free Guy and I'm 38. <laughs> Love the pod, but Free Guy was so much more fun. <laughs> A lot of people said we didn't give... I thought I gave Free Guy a really good review. You loved that I terrible did. film. I did. Yeah. Uh, I'd be fine if we couldn't justify it, but I felt like I backed up my dislike of Free Guy. Uh, the bits I didn't like, the bits I did like were great. Mm. Uh, well, uh, the, the poll on Twitter uh, spoke in your favour, Chris. 84% for The Truman Show and 16% for Free Guy. So that's that. Shall we do the connection section? Yes. You started off with one I had, uh, Redemption Stories. Mm. Uh, I've got one which is opening with amateur climbers causing disasters and accidents. Well, starting with death, Mm. which is unusual. Mm. Specifically people falling to their deaths. And I also feel like the two leads don't really blame themselves as much as they could in order to make an interesting arc. Are you crazy? So when Sylvester Stallone went Gabe, Gabe Walker, Mm. come back to that, (laughs) when Gabe Walker goes back to see Jesse. He's like, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have gone out on the line. It's like, well, yeah, maybe yeah. you shouldn't. And he's, he doesn't blame himself that much. And um, Chris O'Donnell, in Vertical Limit, really doesn't blame himself. He's like, it's what Dad wanted. Like, he's not taking any blame. Granted, granted, Peter doesn't blame himself. But I'd say Gabe, Gabe gets accused of hoarding all the guilt he by does. Jesse. Yeah. So I, th- I think Gabe blames himself. Uh, dumbass bros. Brett and Evan yeah. in Cliffhanger and, and yeah, Cyril I, and Malcolm. I wrote Beavis and Butthead. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Radical. Dude, what? No <laughs> way. Radical. Uh, bombs on mountains. Yes, good. Bombs on mountains. Helicopters flying dangerously close to mountains. Swinging to safety mm. off a mountain. <laughs> yeah, avalanches knocking people off the edge of cliffs. I, I think as we go through this, what you realise is there are, there are only so many things you can do on a mountain. Bullshit. Don't tell Rennie Harlan that. He's done everything you can do on a mountain he's and done, then some. He's done more. He's, he's, <laughs> yeah. he's done Bats, there is really nothing else. <laughs> Bats, wolves, rabbits, <laughs> ice, bridges, everything. Uh, using an ice pick to stop you falling to your death. That's all I've got. Any more? No. The screenwriter, is when you'll like, Chris, because you mm. like things like this. The mm. screenwriter, Terry Hayes. Uh, Terry Hayes did uncredited script work on Cliffhanger and got a full writing credit on Vertical Limit. So he wrote on both these films. Excellent. So, on Thursday, I'm strapping on some nitroglycerine. I'll do that again. Nitroglycerine. <laughs> I won't do it again. I'm strapping something to my back that's dangerous. And heading up K2, which means today V is just hanging out like the rock jock she is. <laughs> I've got that. <laughs> v takes on a journey. Okay. Gabe Walker is a mountain ranger, <laughs> but he's also Sylvester Stallone. So when he's not maintaining footpaths and caring for local wildlife, he's boinging his friend off a zip wire and riding bad guys down ski slopes 
like fleshy sledges. Jessie is a mountain ranger, but she's also a girl, so she's relegated to brushing horses and freaking out about bats. John Lithgow is British, I think. So when he's being a baddie leader, he's a baddie leader who's also a cold-hearted, pontificating psychopath who speaks only in baddie talk. Otherwise, why say, do you have what we need on a closed channel when you could say, do you have that suitcase full of money we've been looking for? (laughs) Anyway, in a tale that really does try to establish a character arc for rock jock Gabe by having him really not be the hero in an unforgettable opener... This story of expensive lost luggage soon abandons character to become diehard on a mountain with Gabe bad one-lining and easily outmanoeuvring a gang of hardened European criminals, burning cash money for firewood when there's loads of trees made of wood about the place and playing chicken with a helicopter. The end. Yeah. Mm. Let me just start with my personal history with this movie. Yeah. Um, I've seen this a shitload of times. Have you really? Yeah. Oh, cool. This, I think we might be nudging double figures. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But I do. So what, why? I, it was just heavy rotation for hangover, stoned mm. student living kind a of thing. Cliff hangover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cliff hangover. <laughs> but also, I think I must have been Write quite that young. <laughs> right, that down. Chris. It's a good title for a film. <laughs> <laughs> It's the hangover, but on a mountain. <laughs> That's a nightmare, actually. Yeah. Fair enough. You've got plenty of water, but nothing else. Um, I think I was I think I was quite young when I saw it because the opening, and I know it's a very famous opening, and it's been spoofed, which is always a mark of like it's sort of uh, got a per- got purchase in culture. But it really got me, got me real good, and so I must have been young enough to understand the tropes of Hollywood movies and be like, "What just happened?" And I think about the opening to Cliffhanger more or less all the time. Mm. So there we go. That's me. What about you? Uh, I'm going to piggyback that. So um, I, I, rarely do I ever get to say this, but I actually went to the cinema oh, to see nice. this movie. Normally, Chris is the one who's always gone to the cinema and I'm the one who watched Only it on, one of you can go on home video. Yeah. And it always makes me feel like I, I had a, a lesser childhood than Chris. <laughs> we both had a lesser childhood than Chris. Have yeah, you met his mum and dad? They're awesome. Yeah. So fact. But I actually, yeah, I got oh. taken with my friend James Jolly. Uh, uh, we were 14 at the time. This was a 15. So we were with his dad, which I imagine is how we got in. And I was very excited. I was aware of Sylvester Stallone. I was excited. I knew this was a big, I'd watched the trailer, big, dumb, brilliant action movie. And I remember uh, that opening and it is to date, and every time I've watched it since, this is about the fourth or fifth watch for me, I find it truly one of the most harrowing yes. pieces of cinema yes. in the fucking history <laughs> of cinema. I completely agree. I mean, it's almost unwatchable. It's it's just, <laughs> just unbelievable. I'm not going to do all the bits now because we're going to talk about it in a moment and just go through it with a fine tooth coat because everything Sarah says, yeah. it's just heartbreaking. Yep. And I, 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 I could just... I like. I watched Nettie watching it for the first time, and I knew she couldn't believe what was going to happen. Yeah. And she kept going, "She's not going to die. Is she going to die?" She was watching a person go mad because they sort of knew someone was going to die. And then when Michael Rooker didn't die, she was like, "But she's just said she, she's just said see you for dinner, so that means it's her." And I'm like, "Just watch. Just come on. Oh my god, he, it's Stallone. He's not going to drop her. He's oh. the hero." <laughs> oh my god! And I genuinely, that moment, it just breaks me like you. Yeah, that's me. Uh, I saw this at the cinema. That's nice. <laughs> of course you fucking did. <laughs> but this was a big summer. This was such a memorable summer because it was Jurassic Park, mm. Last Action Hero, The Fugitive, and this. Uh, it was, And this one sort of jumped up in my excitement um, because of the trailer, as you said. Um, I'm, 
I will be talking about the trailer later if no one else is. Um, it, and it, was, it delivers, doesn't it? I've, it was one of the most entertaining films I saw that decade at the movies because it, it does what you want it to, especially as like a 15-year-old kid. This just... 100%. And that marketing campaign, hang on, yep. and Sly Stallone jumping through the air in black and white. Mm. Very oh, cool yeah, poster. Yeah, that was great. Very cool. Yeah, the, the tagline for this is hang on. Uh, the tagline for Vertical Limit is hold your breath. Right. Which would work for a film, say, called Underwater, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Not for a film. Isn't it also quite disrespectful to the characters suffering from edema to be told to hold your breath? <laughs> but whatever. Uh, so I love this film dearly. I watched it a handful of times when I was a teenager. I don't think I've seen it since. So it was, it was interesting revisiting it to see if it still delivers. I was really excited. I was really excited to rewatch both of them. I've seen both of them more times than you would expect. I've just seen Cliffhanger slightly more times. Mm. Uh, but I do love them both. So um, just a bit about this film. This awesome film um, is a product of the enduring Carol Carl and Sylvester Stallone relationship, which, as we know, started with First Blood, but also the fact that another project that um, Sly and Carol Carl had um, in development called Gale Force, that fell through at the last minute. So Gale Force <laughs> was going to be Die Hard in a hurricane. It, was, it, it basically sounds like Hurricane Heist. Yeah. Another movie we should maybe do with money playing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there you go. Problem solved. Yep. So this is, as you know, um, in the 90s, especially if you're Joe Estherhouse, etc., you can sell a script to Carol Cole for fucking tons of money. So uh, Gale Force was bought off David Chappie by uh, Carol Cole for half a million in 1989, which is a lot of money, mm. with uh, this massive bonus if it got made. They, they get rid of him. They then do get Joe Esterhouse to do a rewrite and you've got Rennie Harlan to direct. Then there's a bit of an issue around the script. So um, they Harlan and Esterhouse like what they've got. It's, it's quite artsy. This is for Gale Force, bear in mind. This is nothing to do with Cliffhanger. Anyway, Carol Cole don't like it. So then they give Joe Esterhouse half a million dollars to walk away. So the point being, all this background is about the, the fact that they were just hemorrhaging money mm. um, and Cliffhanger didn't save them in the way that you would think it was because they just they gave up so many rights along the way to getting it made. Even though it made a fortune, it did really well. There was um, a movie as well that they were all working on before Gale Force called Isobar. Did yeah. you hear about that? The I one, did. The one, I, I only mentioned it because it, it's there's a great book you should get called The Greatest Sci-Fi Movies Never Made by David Hughes, which talks a lot about Isobar, and I talked a lot about Stephen uh, with Stephen D'Souza, which I'm sure you have as well, because mm -hmm. uh, he wrote it it's, uh, or wrote a draft of it. It's like an alien on a train, a sort mm. of futuristic high-speed train that Sly Stallone was going to be in with Kim Bassinger and it was another Carol Coe movie. Isobar, you should look it up. It's a very interesting it sounds, story. That, that does sound fantastic. So basically, there's a few more writers on Gale Force. It, it isn't going to happen. The budget gets out of control, so they drop it. So it's like two weeks before they're going to start, it gets dropped. Again, just to explain why Carol Coe, they're just losing so much money. Rennie Harling got paid three million to direct Gale Force. When it didn't happen, he still he still kept that three million. So it is it is mad but what a good agent mm -hmm. that's I have so much respect for it mm -hmm. um, so anyway we move on to Cliffhanger hooray uh, that was sold to Carol Carr as a, a script by Michael Franz in 91 for $900,000 so it's just what a time to be writing spec scripts um, it's based on a premise by John Long who is I didn't know anything about this he's a self-identified as a stone master which is these like group of like hippie climbers um, 
he's climbed a mountain called Suicide Rock. Just so. Okay. <laughs> so, um, he worked second unit on films, though, including some of the Rambo films, mm-hmm. which is, I wonder how this happened. But also, I wondered if I couldn't understand the timeline here. I wondered if he sued them afterwards for nicking his story, and that's how he got that's the premise got credit. Because yeah. I couldn't find the story. It's, it's a nov- novel called Rogue's Babylon. And it's, it doesn't exist. I can't find it. I've, I wanted to read it or f- find out more about it. It doesn't seem to exist anywhere. And there's no real mention of him in the story of the making of Cliffhanger. Yeah. But he's got this premise credit. I mean, it stuck out to me as unusual because premise by is like mm. the least you could give someone. It's not story by, but also you, a premise is an idea and you can't really copyright an idea and all mm. the rest of it. You can only copyright the execution of an idea and, and on we go. So premise by does stand out as being mm. odd and maybe it is a legal thing that got yeah. tacked on after it. something fishy going on there. So casting, Rennie Harlan said he didn't want Sly. Uh, bearing in mind that around this time, Sylvester Stallone's star is a little bit on the wane after Stop or My Mom Will Shoot and another comedy called Oscar, Oscar yeah. which I haven't seen. Seen them both. Mm. So and Rocky Five, to be honest. That yeah. didn't help matters. Um, there was a, uh, an interview with some agents in the LA Times at the time and one who spoke on the condition of anonymity said, I think he's a diminishing asset. With every film he does, he goes down a little further. He's a new Burt Reynolds. And I'm only reading that out to upset you. You are upsetting me. (laughs) This was the start of a good era first. It was Cliffhanger, then Demolition Man, then Judge Dredd. (laughs) To be fair, fair, on the the DVD, he says he he, he was just trying things. He wanted to try things and experiment. It just none of it worked because he's not funny and no one wanted to see him being serious. So get back to what you know you do best. And he famously does do a lot of rewrites as well. So he's got a writer's credit. Um, Eight, Eight drafts. Of Michael Francis scripts. Yes, that's what Rennie Harlan says on the DVD. I don't even think that's that... Are you saying that number because it's high? Stallone did eight drafts. That's not even that many. <laughs> it's quite a lot for your actor to do, though, I think. Sure, but he loves it, doesn't he? Like He likes tinkering with these things. Apparently, Rennie Harlan said that it was Rennie Harlan's idea to kill the girl at the start, and Sylvester Stallone was totally sold on it. He said, I'll do anything you want to do, because mm-hmm. I really want to be in this film. And so they did. Um, but I'm so obsessed with that opening. Like, it's interesting to know that, it, well, Rennie Harlan claims it's his idea. So, yeah, well, we the, the way they talk about it is they wanted to make him vulnerable in a way that he'd not been before and, and mess with the preconceived notion of the 1980s action star. Nettie's watching it thinking this can't happen. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what we all did in 1993 as well. So, it's, it's a smart way to kick things off. Yeah, and so we're kind of off on us, but so for the baddie, um, Rennie Harley wanted David Bowie. For the first time in my life, I think that's a bad idea. Like, he doesn't need to be Magic Space Alien. He needs to be Christopher Walken, who was cast but dropped out, or John Lithgow. And that's it. I don't think you need ethereal David Bowie doing this. You need... I remember loving John Lithgow in this when I watched it for the first time. And I still do. I think he's great. He's great. He, He obviously doesn't. Have you heard his quote? No. What is it? Uh, speaking to the Hollywood Reporter, he said, uh, this was looking back on it years later, he said, it was the beginning of a string of villains that I did. It was the most fun movie I've ever done because it was four months in Italy, two months up in the Dolomites in the Italian Alps. I got to have a great big knockdown, drag out fight with Sylvester Stallone. Every actor should have that much fun at some point. You can hit him as hard as you can and it's never enough for him. I was just dreadful in that film, but that didn't matter. It was fun. It's not dreadful, <laughs> He's so Fantastic. Good. Do you know the meaning of love? <laughs> and she goes, no, idiot, Crystal, say yes. When someone asks you yeah. if you know the meaning of love, you what, say you, yes. What, you think it's a quiz? Like, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's sacrifice. Damn it, I can't, no, kill, I can't you. kill you. But they, they say he came in quite late in the day for walking, and I'm yeah. guessing he didn't have time to finish his English accent, did he? It's such a mystery, isn't it? They're like, he was in intelligence, and the British intelligence. <laughs> okay. I mean, is it because the woman's English in it? or No, what? it's because it's diehard, and so you need Euro. Like, 
I think that's the only reason. Yes, I, but what's walking going to do in English accent? <laughs> no, probably not. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, like you say, it was shot in the Dolomites. Uh, so some bad weather, cost of production, like two weeks. So it's it's a troubled shoot in that it goes well over budget. So in November 92, bear in mind, it came out in 93. It's already $26 million over and the plane-to-plane sequence had yet to be shot and mm. therefore paid for. Hilariously, it is brilliant. When they shoot it, it then is then the most expensive stunt in air that's ever been done at that time. And apparently uh, Sly gave up some of his fee to pay for it. So the stuntman who did it apparently got paid $1 million yeah. to do that stunt. I yeah. mean, that's... I mean, if, you, if you're a stuntman, you probably go... I know this. I've got this. I've got a parachute on my back. I'm attached to a zip line. You yeah. Know, any, anything goes wrong, I'll just... You've I'll... jumped out of a plane before right. with a parachute on your back, exactly. I assume. I mean, that's retirement money. Do they suffer from, like, uh, PTSD or, like... If, say you do the stunt, but you can, you're, you're just traumatised forever because it was yeah. so awful. I, I've not interviewed that many stuntmen. Vic Armstrong I've interviewed and he seems absolutely fine. Yeah, loves it. Yeah, <laughs> most of them love it. <laughs> yeah, well, I suppose you wouldn't be doing yeah, that. They're adrenaline junkies. Yeah. But um, but yeah, it's ironic though, isn't it, that they didn't do Gale Force because it was going to cost forty million, yes. and this cost nearly double. <laughs> this cost seventy three. Yeah, but it made two hundred and fifty five. But it's just a shame for Carol. By the time they'd sort of leased and bonded and yeah. sold the rights, whatever, they didn't get the much rights of that. were a mess. Yeah, because yeah. Shooter Canal, I think, have it over here and maybe do, in Europe, yeah. and it's a, it was a right mess when they've been trying to get this sequel off the ground for. 35 years. Yeah, I don't know if that's going to happen. Uh, all right, so... What was the sequel that was going to be... They it's started... in the Hoover Dam. Hoover yeah, Dam. that's right. Cliffhanger. <laughs> the Dam. I'd 100% watch yeah, that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Terrorists on the Hoover Dam. He would just hang on, wouldn't he? All the dam water, which it's called, would flood out and he would just claw on with his little hands... And then, like, he survives an avalanche by just holding on. Yeah. But then I was really dismissive of that when I was doing my notes. I was like, look at Sylvester Stallone just hanging onto a mountain, surviving an avalanche. And then in Vertical Limit, that tiny woman does the same thing. She just hangs on. Apparently it's quite easy. Apparently it's easy. (laughs) So what do I know? Uh, Right, let's talk about the film then, yeah? Great. Mm. All right, then. We're going to start at the start because the start is the best. Mm. (laughs) So... Uh, it's the majestic Rocky Mountains, but it's not. It's the Dolomites. Gabe is just, as you have said, hanging just around. Hanging out. <laughs> then he's on his way to rescue his friend Hal and Hal's girlfriend Sarah, who I think for her first time up a mountain has free climbed 4,000 feet. How the fuck did she get up there? I don't Gen- know. Because you watch Sly climb upside down yeah. to get onto the tower. Yeah. So she has done that as well. <laughs> She has done everything he's done. Yeah. She, she and she must be knackered because I think they've shagged in a hot tub, haven't they? And then he's Something taken about a hot tub. Yeah, yeah. they've shagged in a hot tub and then to sort of finish off the night, he's taken her up there, which is just Yeah. yeah. It's a lot. Uh, I mean, insane, but um that's one of the reasons she got the part. Um Harlan says not only was she a great actress, but not many people had the guts to go up there. Of you course know, not. Her and Rooker are sitting there on that ledge for real. They're sort of um they're, they're, they're nailed to the rock by wires, basically. Right. But they are sitting there mm. and it is terrifying. There's there's absolutely no way I could do it. I used to not have a problem with heights and I don't have like a big problem, like a diagnosable problem, but seeing them perched on that tiny rock makes me run cold. And what you're not seeing is they had to, the helicopter can't land, so they had to get on that rock from the helicopter that's still, that's, <laughs> that's still in the air. Yep. No. Um, it's... I felt sick watching this film. I felt sick watching the behind the scenes. I feel sick now. Yeah, it's amazing. So the thing is, they do need rescuing because Hal is waving his flare, but it seems like a big joke. Um, you're going to talk about this scene, Alex, because you had said that you wanted to you want to dissect this scene. But this is my two penneth worth. 
which is we are being distracted. We are being told by the music, by the bants, which are not like hilarious bants. You know, nothing. it's some of the worst banter yeah. you'll ever hear between two mates. Baby, yeah. he lies. <laughs> <laughs> We're trying to establish he's in a romantic. Gabe's in a romantic relationship with Jesse, which is it's boring actually, but it's quite notable because you've got Gabe. We need to establish paying for our hero. He's got a girlfriend in a helicopter. You normal script kill the girlfriend. Obviously, mm. they don't kill the girlfriend, so it is interesting that she didn't get fridge because they always do, but she doesn't. So the music is soaring strings. It's the and... Last of the Mohicans, but yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. it's the score from Last of the Mohicans. Yeah, I don't think so. It's very, that's one of the best similar. scores of all time. This is not a great. I, score. I I disagree. I mean, it's 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 by the same guy, and so it's... yeah, not really though, because he nicked the last Mohicans from someone else. He paid someone else, so it's someone else's score. <laughs> and if you're saying that, but he didn't nick it, but they had to pay. So what the film is telling you, especially on your first time, obviously, nothing bad is going to happen here. You have got Sylvester Stallone, who you know really well. You've got a setup which is going to turn dangerous and it's going to be absolutely fine because the music is telling you. And if you watch it forensically, the music does start to change a bit, but not quickly enough that you'd be like, uh-oh, Sarah's in trouble. And like you said, she's making jokes about dinner and he told me this well, would be not, better. It's, it's not even that she's making jokes about dinner. It's the fact that she she's just such a fundamentally nice, sweet person. And of course the film is manipulating you into creating this. It's the... I'm just so sorry for all the trouble. Yes. It's the fact she has a cuddly fucking toy yeah. in her rucksack. It's like when that falls, I was just like, this, mm. oh, my God. Rennie saw that in a souvenir shop and said, we need to show people what's at stake here. Mm. Yeah. Chuck the bear. The only thing I don't understand, and I wish it came back later, and there's a moment like this in Vertical Limit also, is when, so Hal gets across and then it's Sarah's turn. She's tied on with a knot, the knot loosens, and she's held to the zip wire to the... Uh, what's the thing, the thing, bracket thing, by a buckle. So that's obviously not going to hold her weight. So then there's an argument between Hal and Gabe about what to do. And I don't understand what Hal's suggestion is. Yeah, I've analysed this. So he says later on, and it's a good, really good question. He says later, I'm going to sit in the harness. Like, which to me means that his idea was if he sat in the harness, yep. it would pull the wire oh, down. at an angle yeah. that she would then roll towards him. Oh, I see. But it's a terrible idea. And I think Sly had the right idea. Gabe has the right idea in this moment yeah. because it wasn't going to hold. It's like, well, it, it didn't hold. That's yes. the whole point. It, it wasn't Sly's weight that took her down. The buckle dropped and she then fell out. Her weight took her down. Yep. And so I don't know what Hal's issue is because Gabe, it wasn't because of Gabe. Whether Sly came, whether Gabe came along or not, that, that actual incident would still have happened. Yeah. And so also, it doesn't make sense. It is Hal's fault because he's the one that took her up a mountain. Of for course no it's Hal's fault. <laughs> the whole thing is Hal's fault. Yeah. You wouldn't think that though because uh, just after watching Sarah plummet to her death, it, it doesn't take long before he looks back up at Gabe and goes, Oh, listen, <laughs> you fucker. In one year, you... We will immediately have an argument and clear the deck this. straight away. You did this. But it's just amazing. I, don't, I just don't think after watching your partner fall to their death 4,000 feet, you'd immediately sort of go, I'm over that part and now I'm angry. That's true. That is absolutely true. Sorry, I'm just it, looking behind me. Carry on. It's, I just, I mean... It's just so, it's just everything. The bit where she like literally says the words, I don't want to die. Yes, I think the dialogue is great. I think some of the dialogue is hilariously bad, but good bad. Through, mm. And through both of these films and both of these films, the death at the opener has got some good dialogue. Just someone to say quite plainly, I don't want to die. Mm. When I saw this and I would have been like 13, it's like, wow, I get that. It's horrendous. And then 
she she appeals for help and it's like who are you even talking yeah. to like you're talking to god well, like she starts screaming to hal like hal yeah. can help her from yeah. the other side of the ravine she's like how i'm gonna fall yeah and then honestly that image of her hand slipping out of the glove is seared onto my retina forever yes it's and just... she protests all the way down as well that's mm. the other worst thing mm. she doesn't and that's true we follow her down yeah so we like there's a bit where we follow her screaming to her death yeah it's just like <laughs> it's so good I say, honestly fucking make this an 18 <laughs> 15-year-olds should not be allowed to see this. It's just so good. She will not accept that she that it's over. She doesn't want what's about to happen. There is no way of passing it off to say she died doing what she loved. She mm. wasn't even supposed to be there. Mm. Yeah, it's brutal. She died doing who she loved. That's true. Mm. That's something. Okay, um, let's have a small break. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. I, just, I honestly need a break after that. Yeah, that's why I thought it was a really good it's point a to have a break. Point, yeah. point I'm a getting break. really good at that, I think, actually. Because everything else is... <laughs> Pretty much by the numbers here. <laughs> yeah, this <laughs> That's is the it. bit. This is, but you you make a good point, Alex, mm. because what you've done is you've written a hero with pain, and that's awesome, and and character and a, a an issue to resolve. But and I don't give a shit. But sort of in an, in about twenty minutes, all of that is gone. He's building snowmen to fuck with baddies. Yeah, it's all gone. But I I like the attempt, and I I don't know. Yeah, Stallone acknowledges it on the on the commentary. He says we knew we were going hard at the start and we knew we might not be able to top it. And he said, I, do, I honestly don't think we did top it, but we, we did our very best to get as close as we could to that opening. Yeah, no, I don't mean that. I mean more that a man who's suffering from that sort of trauma uh, doesn't act the way that Gabe does when faced with a gang of seasoned criminals. I don't think. Anyway, 
he go, Gabe goes away uh, for a bit and then he comes back to get Jesse. And you know that their relationship is really real because she says things like, there were times I didn't know what I wanted to do, hate you or love you, mm. which is brilliant. Yeah, but a lot of things fell apart on that ledge. <laughs> 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 it's quite funny I writing. I really love it. <laughs> he shucks that all off, like I said, to make you, you know, just fucking with murderers. But at this point, I just love that so much. Like she's just been, she's just brushing the horse, waiting for him to turn up, and then speaks like that. Lovely. Yeah, because she's like a lost of a, a lot of it. A lot of stayed. Yeah, but she's like, we all lost something that day. Yep. Stop hoarding all the guilt. Yeah. And he literally goes, no, it was me. <laughs> it was all me. Yeah. It's like, she's You're just, listening. just asked you to stop hoarding the guilt. No, no. All your, it's all mine. Yeah. <laughs> so some plot here, just in case people need it. Some baddies mm. have stolen a hundred million dollars in cash from the Denver Mint. There's an FBI man on the inside called Travers. Uh, whatever. I don't care about any of this, but I do love that in that plane scene when you get the host, uh, not hostage, the shootout. Mm. You're not quite sure who's good. You know, you're given all those visual clues. I'm still confused. About it. Yeah. I'm still confused yeah. of, of the timing of it all, but it's fine. Is it the new man? Is it? Yes. The, you know, yeah, all it's of clever. That? It's and not the way good. they make you think it's the new man, but then the way they put who they're pointing their guns at at what point, it's very confusing. Yes. yes so Travers's guys are loyal to Travers, so yes. they think. What's his name? The new guy. Do you know his name? I can't. Remember I don't care. I don't care about any anyway, of this. The new guy who's there to as we find out later foil the hijacking he just like he's just terrible like he overreacts in a mad way that <laughs> makes them go yeah. I think Travers is right here this guy's a fucking nutter yeah. so they point their guns at him and then Travers kills all of them because none of them were in on the plot apart from the pilot who has never killed uh, a co-pilot with such a look of glee on his face. That's horrible. He kills him and then goes, I've always wanted to do yeah, that. You're so annoying. There's such a small space to be annoyed in. And then we've got the plane to plane stunt, which is amazing. And yeah. you're just a bit breathless because you've had the opening and it, it's like this film is going to be incredible because all of the stunts just sort of keep coming. I love it. It is a shame just to be picky. When the plane crashes, it looks shit because you've just had that incredible stunt and the plane crash looks like a model of a plane pushed through fake snow. It yeah, just it's just clearly miniatures, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And then Crystal. We'll talk a little bit about Crystal. I feel it's an unlikely name for a posh British bank robber, but I do like her. Mm, she's good. She is very good. Um, so we've got these cases and they're scattered over the mountain and Crystal calls for help. Um <laughs> Thankfully, Gabe's here because we need Gabe, um, but he won't do it. So again, stickler for realism, Jesse says to him, what's wrong with you? You don't feel anything anymore, <laughs> which I also love. And just in case we'd missed the potential for a character arc, she literally says to him, if you don't do this, you'll be stuck on that ledge the rest of your life. Mm. Brilliant. So that's going to get him out the door. Um, I also love the scene where Hal and Gabe are reunited and there's no small talk. There's no like, you You seem a bit mad at me. He's just like, you bastard. No, it's your fault. Done. <laughs> like, just get it done. Brilliant. Um, where are we? Okay. He still never offers up his plan, though, Hal. He's like, it was your weight on the line that exactly. did it. And yeah. you're like, uh, okay. If, if, if Gabe just went, just let's take a moment. What was your plan? And if you tell me a plan that was better than mine, <laughs> yeah. honestly, I give in. You're right. Yeah. You know, chuck me off this ledge. I'm done. <laughs> but he doesn't. No. Because there was no other fucking plan. Also, this is mean. I lo- it's 
it's fun that Frank, poor old Frank, who gets it later, he's he's painting these abstract images of a, mo- a monkey and a banana Such or something. Such a weird moment. I, really I, weird. I don't think I'd get in a plane with a man who does that painting. No, it's he a miracle he's still allowed he, he to He doesn't work. seem safe. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a monkey eating a banana, it's a banana, Sorry, it's a banana. eating yeah. a monkey. He's not, he's not a well man and I he like, should be in charge of a plane. <laughs> I like the idea that they're Frank, a gang. Are you okay to fly this helicopter? Frank. <laughs> <laughs> I just think... Hal, his girlfriend, who he loved, has only been dead a year and he's just fine. Like, he's just, he doesn't, Gr- I don't know. Grief moves in mysterious That's ways. That's true, I, I shouldn't judge. Very just, judgmental. He also, he's, all right. it's Rooker. Yeah. It takes a lot to knock him down. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. I've, I've met him. Have you? It, yeah, uh, it's mad. Really? Yes. Yeah, he's not far off the characters he plays in films. You just Brilliant. don't know what he's going to say next. He's very unpredictable. Yeah. A little bit frightening, but really funny. I'm a massive fan. Yeah. Massive fan. Um, so, <laughs> Walker and Tucker, Gabe and Hal. Yeah, you can't have, you can't have two you can't ER, ER names. names. Yeah. Obviously, obviously you, need, yeah. you need Walker yeah. because he's a mountain ranger. Yeah, but, and if Tucker was eating a lot throughout, fine. Yeah. He's tucking in. Well, yeah, anyway. So they, they rescue the baddies. The baddies straight away, they, again, in keeping with the sort of tone of the film, just tell them everything. We've stolen these suitcases. Like, rather than try and trick them well, or whatever. But worse than that, he, Eric, I mean, what are we calling the villain? Eric or Quaylen? I'm going to call him Quaylen. Yeah, I like Yeah, Quaylen sounds better. It sounds more menacing. Um... He tells them from the off he's going to kill them. Yes. That's not how you control hostages. <laughs> no. Tell them you're not going to kill them if they cooperate. <laughs> if you tell them you're definitely going to kill them, they've got no reason to cooperate, <laughs> yes. which they don't. And also, he said he was in military intelligence. He's not very intelligent. How many times in this does one of them shout to the other to warn them as well? It's yeah. like they go <laughs> on like, a mountain. About six different times, I reckon. Someone goes, he's going to do this. And everyone goes, oh, thank God you shouted. Can you yeah. hear that it's much like, on a mountain. Someone puts your hand over his mouth. <laughs> also, Hal is still meant to hate Gabe a bit because they haven't actually resolved their no. issues. So for a man he hates, he twi- at least twice, is like, watch out, they're going to kill you. Mm. But also, this is also my other favourite bit. They're like, Gabe, pop mm. up that ledge and get that suitcase. Yeah. What you've you got to do first? You've got, you can't have your ice pick. Okay, no. yeah, fine, because that's a weapon. Take his coat off him. Take it off. Why? We ne- for insurance. Yeah. Um, we, <laughs> it, well, it's twice in the movie, isn't it, that he has yeah. to take his top off yes. so we can see everything. So we can see those muscles. Yeah. But, in the, but it's like, he will die. He will die in four minutes, I would have said. Mm. So do you want him to die or do you want your suitcase full of money? And uh, the best bit is... I think they just want to look at him. They do just want to look at him. And then he does get the suitcase... And he's rewarded for that by them saying, we don't need two rangers, we'll get rid of him. Even mm. though his success rate at retrieving suitcases is currently 100%. <laughs> and how many cases does he or they open? Not- so easily. Yes. Yeah. Because the whole plot is around not being able to open the cases. <laughs> yeah. They're not that hard to open. He just smashes it. <laughs> They're quite openable. <laughs> Hit him with the rock. Yeah. That's also Never thought of that. my favourite bit. These suitcases are from the Denver Mint. They cannot be opened. You need six agents at all times. Hit it with a rock, though, and it just pops open. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do fundamentally agree with you. Like, Quaylen's plan, it just seems like every every time like he sends someone to get a case, someone just chucks the case over a cliff or just throws the money away. It just seems to keep happening. It's like he doesn't really learn. No. He got kicked out of military intelligence for not being intelligent. For being shit. <laughs> So we're racing to the second case. This is where we're like full diehard, which I, again, obviously I don't mind. Gabe is not Gabe anymore. He's Sylvester Stallone. So I will refer to him as Sly. 
or Sylvester Stallone because he's 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 thrown off. I missed that scene. Like, he literally stopped being gay. Stopped being gay. <laughs> yeah. So he builds a snowman I've, I, yeah. for no reason, just to fuck with him. He rides a baddie downhill and he burns the money. So he's he's messing with him. He's he's got especially the snowman bit. Yeah, which is, it's it's ho ho ho. Now I have a machine. Yeah, gear. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no problem. With, no problem with that. No, not at all. Follow the rules. And then I ho, think. I think maybe because to show that the baddies are bad and there's two moments like this because they haven't really done anything that bad for they've stolen money but a lot of audiences are like I don't care I would steal money you know in this sort of fantasy world Um, they kill one of those bros one of the dudes for no reason Mm. like it does seem to be mostly for pleasure kind of thing the other one gets away but then nearly dies, but will be rescued later. But I don't think that comes it, back. It's the weirdest thing. Yeah. I guess it's just there to show that Frank's a good guy. Which like, we know because of his paintings. Exactly. Though. It's a banana eating a monkey. You yeah. Know? Hey, what's the new painting, Frank? There's a helicopter crashing into it. You're not getting into the helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we are now with Sly and Jesse, and they wiggle through a crevice. <laughs> oh god, yeah. I mean, have you so I only found out about this recently because I'm not on the internets for the socials and whatnot, but someone was talking about facing your like exposure therapy and I was reading this article about someone that's terrified of small spaces watching YouTube videos where people is what is it called tunneling or crevicing mm. or whatever what is it? Potholing. And there's a there's an American a really you know he's doing really well on YouTube and he films himself from the side. Whoa, going through gaps that you just can't, he, he cannot move. He's not even, he's not in a cave. He's in an opening the size of his body and he's inching forward incrementally and he's filming it and people go nuts for it and people go nuts for it. Sometimes are people that are terrified of stuff like that and it's just to help them like deal with those feelings. Yeah, I did it once when we did were you? at school in a school residential. It's a, it was an opening known as the letterbox and it was genuinely like, it no was way. like a letterbox. Was it one of your teachers? <laughs> Pop that in there. That's so weird. Did I tell you the story about my teacher who had a superfluous second asshole? Uh, did this come up at your wedding? I'm not sure. I feel like we had this conversation. He had know. a real um, asshole, right? And then he had a superfluous one next to it uh, that went in about two inches that he had to clean with a cotton bud. Whoa! Yeah. So he doesn't know his ass from his asshole. <laughs> Why do you know that? Oh, because he went out with one of the sick formers. I think he got into trouble. You do, yeah. yeah. Why yeah. did she go out with him? Because he got two arseholes. <laughs> he loved it. <laughs> <laughs> Stored <laughs> things up there. <laughs> I suppose keys. She must have done. Anyway, this letterbox thing. Yeah. Um, I, one of my friends like just lost his shit going through it because you couldn't. Oh, you were yeah. on, you're on your belly and no. you were just oh. like inching forward, like you say, oh, inch by inch. I feel sick like, even you describing through. it. Like a kid, and we were like 14 at this point, so we weren't like kids who cried in front of each other. Just burst into tears because he was just oh, lost and it. He, he, and no he, one checked like he, beforehand. He's, he's still there, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, you go. No, you don't. I'm going to tell you something. It's really no. It's really awful. I, I don't know people's names, but when I was reading this, this famous hole somewhere in North America kept getting mentioned. And there's a there's an incident that's quite well known, and it's horrendous. And a climb a pothole, a re, really experienced, loved doing it. You could only get through it by going head first, and he got stuck. And he died, and he's still in there. Mm. What? Yeah. So just, I want to share that with everyone because that haunts me constantly. Well, so he was on his own. Yeah. No, sorry, he was with his brother. What? And they couldn't get him out. Nope. He's he went first, and he moved his shoulder in a way that he shouldn't, and so he got stuck head first, upside down by the shoulders, and then they kept trying to pull him out by his feet, but it wasn't working, and eventually he had a heart attack and he died. And then it was too dangerous to go and get him, so they just filled the hole up and told people not to go there anymore. 
Oh, my oh, God. Oh, that's bad, isn't that's it? That's awful. Isn't it awful? Okay. I, I was going to say, so he had a heart attack and died. I thought you were like, it's yeah. sort of like, there isn't a finite time where you go, we've tried for a few hours. No, no, he was, he right. was gone. And, right. it's, and, he, and he knew, oh, it's horrible. And he, oh, do you know what? And he like rang his family to say goodbye and stuff like that. It's really brutal. Jesus. That's Christ. why you shouldn't do it. <laughs> yeah, it seems like honestly, like I, I I don't I don't like climbing. Climbing freaks me out. I yeah. do I do get a bit of vertigo like when I'm climbing, but like the idea of climbing I I take ten times over potholing. God yeah. You there's there's nothing in the world that can make me do it. Like mm. I just I'm terrified of it. Um so this scene maybe feels scared. Well, are you and terrified of it because of bats, though? Because you're a girl. I don't like bats. Mm. I don't think I hate. I thought because I... they're like big moths. Yes, it is. But yeah, it's exactly it why. <laughs> but I don't think I hate them as much as Jessie hates. <laughs> what the hell? This scene is ridiculous. <laughs> she's she works in nature mm. and she works on the mountains and she's connected to mm. horses and nature and she sees a few bats and she's like. Burn it all. Yeah, like it, doesn't, it doesn't help that uh, Gabe slash Sly, as he is now, in that scene is like, oh, don't be so stupid, Jesse. They're just bats. <laughs> just chill out. Yeah. And she's like, no, fucking bats are everywhere, mate. Let's get out of here. Fuck, I'm going to make a move. Like, if you just stay still, yeah. the bats will leave. No, I'm fucking not staying still, mate. <laughs> fucking bats. Yeah. But that's why I said before, that's why I love this film, because they've gone, what else? Mountains, not enough. What else can we do? Bats. Here's what else you can do. How about you get a baddie and you impale him upwards mm. on a stalactite? I, Brilliant. I, I only really remember two things from this film, and it's the opening scene and it's that fight. It's because so that good. fight is so brutal because the, the actor, Leon, or the character rather, is clearly better equipped to fight. He knows martial arts and he's kicking the shit out of Stallone. Yeah. You don't often see that. Yeah. And Stallone has to use his brains. He has to trick him. He doesn't know the mountain the way Gabe does. No. That's yeah, it's thing. clever. Yeah, it's clever. But the I mean, that guy Leon does he's an impressive specimen. Oh, yeah. And um he was in Cool Runnings. Oh, was he? And and he he's the bloke in Like a Prayer, the Madonna video. Oh really? Yeah, that beautiful man. Oh um, fun. But it's... yes, it's just very it's a really impressive fight, this one, I think. Yeah. It's interesting that he comes down hunting. Sly and Jesse pointing his gun at them mm. and then when it gets kicked out of his hand and Jesse goes to shoot him with it he goes no bullets bitch and mm. it's like well then oh, why yeah. were you pointing at anyone in the first <laughs> place to trick them <laughs> what would you have what would they have done if, if you go oh you, you got me <laughs> It's just a weird thing to do. It is He weird. knew there were no bullets in I it. I hadn't thought of it. <laughs> um, so Crystal is now trying to blow up Sly and Jesse. So they wrap hell, I believe is the term, out of there. And then they swing away from the blast on an old rope. And Jesse slips. And it's Sarah all over. Oh, no, it's not. It's fine. It's <laughs> right. Why? Of all the moments to play out uh -huh. and to rekindle our yeah. memory of that start, it's like, but this time it's different. It's like, it's over in like two seconds. He goes, I got yeah. you. And she's like, oh. And do, in do you not, film this cheesy. Do you not want to maybe use this moment? She should be hanging there going, but you could maybe recover from your trauma if we just, I'll just pretend I'm falling a bit more. Yeah. I mean, if in a film this cheesy, why don't you have Jesse's hanging on for dear life, pre-lap, Sarah, I don't want to die. And then he blanks out. He's like, it's happening again. What can I do differently this time? I don't know what you can do differently because you were fine the first time, but something different happens and you save your girlfriend. And they, you, that's where you have your moment where it's like, we're obviously going to get back together now because everything's fine. Mm. It's very strange. Um, then Frank gets it just because, and then Crystal gets it. And this is the other moment that I remember at the hand of her lover. <laughs> I love it 
so so much it's so stupid <laughs> are they lovers i think yeah, they definitely. are yeah I think that's suggested throughout that they are in a sexual relationship. I think you're thinking of Jeremy Ottens in Die Hard 3. <laughs> it's the same character. Yeah, yeah. They look the same. No, when he says, you'll make someone a fine wife, and she's like, you should see me make a gig. <laughs> yeah, that suggested to me they're not together. No, it's bands between a couple. It's like, you make someone a fine wife. We are shagging. That's all that is. Okay. I think so. Um, I felt sorry when Frank got shot. I did it's too. Sad. It's really sad. It sort just... of seems unnecessary at that point. It is unnecessary. Isn't it Craig Fairbrass that kills him? Yeah. Delmar, is he Del... Whatever his character is called. He just he, He's called Craig Fairbrass. He's called Craig <laughs> yeah. Fairbrass. I used to represent Craig Fairbrass. Did you really? Yeah, I did. He's really lovely. Yeah, I bet he's. <laughs> yeah. He I made mean, a fantastic film last year, Muscle. He did, yeah. Yeah, it's really good. I read the reviews. It's not my sort of thing, but it's apparently... a tough. It's a very, very tough watch, but that should be a springboard for him. It's that yeah. good. Um, but it, it was funny watching him pop up in this film when you're in 1993 yeah it's just unexpected every now and then when you see some cockney actor from the telly yeah. appear in the hollywood movie mm. and this is one because also he's so exaggerated yeah. a cockney in this film well, isn't he's he? a promising footballer also because he's english so <laughs> how did you feel about uh, the football analogy he uses to uh, very very there. very angry that he kept calling it soccer yeah of course. I mean, the rest of it's fine. Although it was funny listening on the commentary to Rennie Harlan try and justify it. He no. says, uh, we wanted an English character to reflect football hooligan. Though it's not a put down of English people. It's just using football metaphors. Yeah, it no, felt but, like a put down of us. But also, he's English and John Lithgow's British. So they're between them. They what's, the, what about... you, what's the difference between English and British? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> they're, both, they're both English. They're both English. But they would talk about football between themselves, wouldn't they? Like The yes. excuse could be, oh, well, Craig Fairbrass is uh, knocking around with a gang of US criminals. Mm. And so he's become accustomed to saying soaker. But uh, he hasn't, so no, he shouldn't. He's, he's with an English man and an English woman. Soaker. Yeah. Soaker. Yeah. As in the Caribbean music. Yeah. And he calls, he calls Rooker a slag as well. He calls him, what is it? A punk, loud, loud mouth punk You're a loud mouth punk slag who's about to get killed. Killed. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, Hal is about to die. It's a fun fight because Hal is, like, giving it, like, fine, fuck it, do it then. I'm taking my coat off. I can't yeah. wait to yeah, die. it's great watching him take his coat it's off. It's brilliant. But then Craig <laughs> oh, Fairbrass... Oh, a lot of great coat-taking off moments in this <laughs> yes. movie, if yeah, we're honest. Yeah, <laughs> top three of all time. <laughs> I think it's a good moment for Michael Rooker, isn't it? And Because uh, Hal... There should be so much for Hal to do. He's mm. got all this anger... And he's being, you know, he, he loves his best friend, but he hates his best friend. His best friend is stronger than him, but whatever. But um, it doesn't really seem to go anywhere. They, they didn't write it in that he would get this big scene. The argument at the start is really over and done with super quick and they don't get to have, they should have a big fight, basically, I yeah. guess, in the tone of this. Yeah, film. yeah. So him being like, I'm taking my coat off <laughs> is his big moment, which I like. But, but his one liner after he kills him is not good. What's his line? Season's over, asshole. Okay, no. it's not. I don't know. It's good. It's not no. good enough. But also, Hal steals a knife at some point from Frank. Is it Frank's body Frank, or it's, yeah. whatever? Well, Frank in his dying moments yeah. signals. There's a knife. Take, the knife. take this old it's, knife. It's a banana eating a knife. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> take the knife and this small etching from my other pocket. <laughs> but he's got this knife in his shoe for quite a long time. And then when he's been battered half to death, he's like, I'll use the knife now. But he could have got it out at any point. <laughs> I feel like he could. So Craig Fairbrass is gone and that is a real shame. 
Now, Travers, guess what? Your tracker's on a rabbit. <laughs> so this is not very heroic of Gabe to put a tracker no, on not. a rabbit to get a rabbit. Gabe is getting a rabbit killed. Well, the rabbit yeah. doesn't die because Travers die. is a bad shot. It got re- yeah, but but yeah. that's but that's Gabe doesn't know it that doesn't he's a bad know. shot. No. So, first of all, it did get shot, but they reshot it because um, apparently test audiences were like, you can't kill the rabbit. Yeah, well, I don't, it's bad drawing. I don't understand why they wouldn't have thought of that so beforehand. Because everything's <laughs> supposed to come back. We've had wolves for some reason. You know, the, yeah. the, the hiker, the climber is in yeah. the tree and the wolves come. When sl- Sly, it's Sly, and he senses a creature is near in a hole. And I was like, that's got to be a wolf because the image in your head is then mm. of Sylvester Stallone holding a little bunny yes. and strapping a tracker to it. Whereas in your head, you're like, no, you would domineer a wolf yes. and get a tracker on the wolf. And then obviously the wolf isn't going to die, but Travers being faced by a wolf is much more fun. I like mm. rabbits, obviously, but when it's just this cute little bunny that pops up, I think it's fun only in that it sends but, Travers absolutely yeah, bonkers. Th- that's, that's the thing, though. That's why it's a rabbit, because it, it, Travers has gone mad after this because he's been <laughs> defeated by a rabbit. And if he, like, if you're faced with a wolf, you're like, oh, if I can defeat a wolf, yeah. I'm a strong I'm man. I'm on, yeah. But I've been beaten by... Twice. It, a, when it pops up again. <laughs> it's like, fuck you. Ha-ha. <laughs> 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 I may be small, but I am fast. <laughs> Are you, have you gone mad yet, Travers? <laughs> I'm on the last manhunt of my career. <laughs> but this is the best thing. He's like, ah, oh, fuck it. Fuck it all to hell. I'm on my last manhunt. Gets killed immediately. <laughs> so <laughs> you remember the stalactite death. I remember hit Travers under the ice. That's yeah. the death I remember. Mm. Good deaths. Good deaths. Another yeah. thing that it's Ticked one of those of things boxes. that I'm terrified of that is never, I fucking hope, it's so unlikely to happen to me that I'd be near a, in an, an icy lake or pond or, or mountain body of water. But the idea of going under, I'm quite a strong swimmer, but then coming up, I'm just being like, oh, fuck, yeah. <laughs> like, it's terrifying. But it would mean you can take your shirt off again. That's true. Which you might want to do because our man Gabe definitely wants to take yeah, your shirt off again. Cloud. So my big question here with Travis's death is I think we should have, like, it when sly as he is now uh, shoots him with his bolt gun I it's believe it's an exploding bullet but <laughs> we never see that it's never like you know You know when he steals all the stuff from the old like mountain rescue hut yes. uh, all the antique stuff it's never it's never been made clear that what's there what's there and we need to have seen at some point him go oh a bolt gun might come might in come useful in and then then he kills him with it because you do want that little moment where you're like Travis has forgotten he's got the bolt gun oh shame Travis yeah I agree with you because when they go to that cabin all you're thinking is this is poorly stocked for a cabin that's meant to provide shelter it's, to climbers it's got a rope that's 60 years old yeah will it hold probably not Bad answer. Good dialogue. Good it's dialogue. so awful for her to go. Not even wrong answer. Yeah. Bad answer. It's so awful. Anyway, Jessie gets herself kidnapped because she's useless. Um, Quailin wants his bag of cash. So anyway, helicopter. Sly's got the bag of cash. I misremembered this, and it is, it's a stupid misremembering because there's no way it could work. But Sly's got a bag, and he's like, here's the cash, dickhead. Not that. Mm. How would Quaylen know there's money in that bag? There could be anything in that bag. So I thought I saw, I remembered a scene where he, he opens it a bit, money flutters out. Quaylen's like, okay, that's enough because he doesn't want to lose his money. Because otherwise, at this point, Quaylen is an absolute moron because he lets the girl go really easily. He hasn't checked what's inside the bag. And then Sly shreds the money because he really hates money um, and attaches himself to the chopper, I think expressly so he can have a fight on top of a helicopter pinned to the side of a mountain, which we do. And then we get, keep your arms and legs inside the vehicle at all times. Yeah, a call back to something he said to dead Sarah at the start. So 
beginning, it's sort of like, why are you reminding yourself mm. of that moment? Yeah. Not the and best also, callback. what was it? That made no sense at the start. Yeah. Like, it barely makes sense here. <laughs> it's like, this This is, it's a callback to a line that you should surely want your audience to have forgotten about yeah. from the start. Why does he say, Sarah? There's no vehicle. Nope. And I would say Quaylen's arms and legs are inside. Very much so. Yeah, yeah. they're he's in tra- it. He's trapped in <laughs> the vehicle. He needs to be trapped in it I mean, in order it, to die. There's something weird about watching Stallone kick the shit out of the dad from Bigfoot and the Hendersons. Sure. Um, <laughs> it doesn't sit right with me. Yeah. Also, perhaps you could find a better stunt double for John Lithgow because <laughs> he looks absolutely nothing like him. <laughs> so then, this is also some of my favourite writing, and I don't, I'm not even being snide. It's a it's a bit of a lesson, and I wonder if it's because tastes have changed so much over the years where films end properly. And you get post-credit stings and stuff like that. So the three of them, Jesse, Gabe and Hal, will be rescued. Um, and they're on top of the ledge, which is kind of where they started. And you think, at the very least, there'll be a conversation where we see that they've all forgiven each other or moved on or healed or whatever. If not, a scene after where they're all together in the mountain park thing, doing stuff with horses. Feeding rabbits. Feeding rabbits, welcoming tourists. Everything is fine. Just ends. They're just on a ledge, and it ends. Yeah, it should end, which with, is good. Uh, that's good, isn't it? No, I can't decide. Uh, it should end with Hal going. Sorry, I just heard you had that fight with Quaylen, Gabe. Did you say the thing you said to my dead girlfriend to him just before he died? Because that that sort of brought up a lot of shit for yeah, me. Yeah, that's quite insensitive. It's better than closing up on a tribute to everyone who's died in the film. <laughs> Is it crazy? I think it is. Now, I quite like the way it gets out of it. Also, I spent the morning writing an article about the two post-credit scenes in DC League of Super Pets, the movie. Oh, wow. So I'm very happy to see a film that doesn't have a post-credits Just, thing. Are you allowed to say, is DC League of Super Pets any good? Because I was going to take the kids. It's, it's funny. Yeah, it's yeah. very funny. It's, okay. it's, it's written by some of the Lego people. It's, yeah. a, it's a laugh. Yeah. So, yeah, we're out. Um, as we mentioned there was going to be a sequel called The Dam, um, which is Cliffhanger, but on the Hoover Dam. I just don't understand how that would work. I mean, no. once you've shot the Hoover Dam from one angle, <laughs> it's going to look well, the same from around. every fucking angle. What's he doing? Hanging on the Hoover Dam for two well, hours. You've got three. You've got above it, you've got on it, and you've got below it. Mm. That's your options. In it? You could be in it. Yeah, yeah. In it? Yeah. yeah. Or in, maybe in, in some of that dam water. In the dam water. Or, or reservoir water, one of the two. Is it a reservoir? <laughs> I Probably. I don't they tend to be built near dams. Do they? Yeah. Okay. Classically. <laughs> you ever seen a dam? No, I haven't. Right, okay. Do you want to know about... No, a... sorry, I've seen one in pictures. <laughs> yeah. You know that big body of water just behind it? Yep. Reservoir. Dam water. <laughs> Damn you. Um, do you want to know about a better sequel? Uh, yes. I listened to a great podcast called uh, Best Movies Never Made, where they talk to screenwriters and directors about projects that never quite happened. And Fred Decker... A man I love. He wrote The Predator, which I know you like more than I do. And The Monster Squad. He wrote The Monster Squad. Uh, He's a great talker. So he um, was asked to write a sequel to this by Neil Moritz, the guy that did a lot of the Fast and Furious films. And they asked him, what would you do with a sequel? He said, um, I'd remake John Wayne's The Cowboys. So that's a film um, that's set during the Civil War about a cattle drive. And because all the men are away at war, John Wayne has to train a bunch of kids and take them out in the range with the cattle. And um, cowboys come after them. And so it was going to be Sly with a bunch of young gangbangers who he takes out of prison and takes up the mountain and they become sort of heroes while helping him out. And so that was the basic premise. But um, he was then told not to write it for Stallone after he'd started it because I guess maybe the negotiations weren't going well. So he changed the character from Gabe. He renamed him Zane. Well, you could have played it. 
I got the call, uh, but obviously the project fell apart. They always so. go to people with the same name first, don't they? Yes. And then they're like, and then they broaden it out to <laughs> actors. As we proved with uh, this episode of Cliffhanger, because he plays Sly and his name is Sly. <laughs> yeah, so you're there right. you go. Zane Lowe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, th- but there was going to be another version, wasn't there? There was going to be another sequel announced three years ago. Yeah, there was a women one. Yeah, but yeah. it was interesting. It was the woman who made A Girl Walks Home at... Alone at home at night. Yes. Have you seen that? No. You've told me about it though. It's it's amazing. Yeah. The literally the last person you would think uh, <laughs> to make a cliffhanger movie, but she was going her about it. Yeah, Anna Lily, I'm in port, but yeah. um, I don't think that's going to happen now. And that's it. Good for me. Shall we do the bits? Yeah. Uh, Chris, what was your best scene? Opening scene. <laughs> yes, you. <laughs> Opening Luke. scene. Me. I don't want to die. Yeah, we, uh, <laughs> I don't want to die. I don't want to die. Help me. I don't help Toys <laughs> Although I am very judgmental about grown women with cuddly toys. So I'm not he, saying she deserved to die, but. It makes her so sweet. I'd be like, my lipstick! Her little, her little <laughs> her lucky cuddly toy that she probably climbs with because it brings her good luck. Hal probably bought it for her in that creepy way that men sometimes buy grown women toys. <laughs> Is that creepy? Yes. Really? Yeah, it's infantilizing. Okay. You know what I think? Oh, okay. Sorry. No, it's fine. I just can't help myself. <laughs> New birthday present for you then. <laughs> if you remember. I will. Okay. I'm French. <laughs> don't worry about it. I don't care. You'll tell us. She I will. <laughs> you got nothing to worry about. And uh, you'll still forget. Alex will still forget. That's the thing. Oh, it's, it's in the post. It was kind of, It's just arrived late every bloody Christmas. <laughs> Christmas is always on the same Yeah, well, we, always, we, we book a dinner about a month in advance and he shows up with nothing. It's in the post. The Christmas post is famously annoying. <laughs> Just give us money this year. <laughs> right, you're most valuable, whatever, Alex. Uh, so, uh, a special mention to Trevor Jones, who apparently didn't write the score to the last of the Mohicans. <laughs> it doesn't sound like the Fast Mohicans. It does sound like the Fast Mohicans. Uh, I think it's a really, I think it's a really good score. It's um, really good, epic. For perfect majesty for the mountainous backdrop. But I am giving my MVW uh, to Rennie Harlan. Who I think is kind of one of the unsung heroes of action cinema because between Die Hard 2, this, The Long Kiss Goodnight, and Deep Blue Sea, that was an epic run. Mm. Granted, Cutthroat Island was mm. in the middle of that, but I have never seen that. No, so I can't comment on it. Um, but those four movies Die Hard, this, Long Kiss Goodnight, Deep Blue Sea, fucking brilliant film. So yes. I am giving it to Rennie Harlan. I fell down a rabbit hole there researching him this week. Oh, yeah. And you need to take it away from him. Um, while he was married to Gina Davis, he had a baby with Gina Davis's assistant. Fuck off. <laughs> yes. You're kidding. No. Jesus. Bloody hell, Rennie. Jesus. Whoa. Wowzers. Was that why they got divorced? Mm, yeah. It might have, contributed. Yeah. It might have played a part. She wasn't like, oh, wow, cool, a baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even realise I was pregnant. <laughs> yeah. It happened while you were asleep. <laughs> just, it just come out. My assistant is so helpful. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Uh, wow, I did not know that. He's still my MVW. <laughs> <laughs> Who is yours or what is yours? I'm torn between a person and a thing. Um, so I'm going to say them both. Um, the person is Michelle Joyner. Has to be. Sarah. Sarah from the beginning of the film. Oh, sorry. Uh, she sells that opening so convincingly that uh, it's part of what makes it. Did she go on to do uh, a no, lot after no, this? No, not really. No. Oh, she's so good. Um, but I believe, um, and I always have, the trailer for... 
cliffhanger to be the greatest trailer of all time. I've even written about it being the greatest wow. trailer of all time. So I've got to give a shout out to the trailer. And I, I did some research on it. Um, Harlan said he's always thinking about the trailer before he shoots the film. And he said he was while he was walking across a square in Rome, he heard this religious music coming from a church and thought that those majestic sounds would work well over an action trailer. He cut that to the music himself. No dialogue, no plot in the trailer, just images, music, hang on, cliffhanger to Requiem by Mozart and it is the most fantastic two minutes you can imagine <laughs> uh, the film doesn't actually live up to the trailer no, as enough. good as the film is but um, <laughs> so I've got to give a shout out for the trailer that is lovely I mean I want to I am allowed to do this but I won't do it because I think it will annoy you I want to give it to the opening scene because I think it stands alone as a thing in itself mm. And I really love Michael Rooker, but like I said, I don't think he's got... He hasn't got as much as he deserves to get into, given all the, given how good he is anyway. But all the things that have happened to him as a character and happened to him, he's with the baddies all the time. They're the ones almost killing him and threatening to kill him and trying to kill him and all the rest of it. And he just doesn't get his big moment. So I'm going to give it to John Lithgow, even though he doesn't want me to. Wow. I think he's a fun baddie. Like, it's none of it makes... I don't mind... Right, so he's not Alan Rickman, I get that. But, but he that, wants to be Alan Rickman, or the movie is asking no, him to no, be Alan Rickman. I don't think it is because it's so it's too broad. The stuff he's saying and doing, like Rickman, you can actually buy. I don't think you can ever buy. No, this and, person. And I, but I don't mind because it, it it just makes it. It is silly and it works. The silliness, like when he kills someone, and he's like, "Oh, if you kill one person, you're a murderer. If you kill loads of people, you're God." Or whatever. He doesn't say that. Do you know what I mean? What does he say? A conqueror. <laughs> a conqueror. And it's like you haven't killed. Have, I don't know. What are you even? It just sounds. Semi cool on paper. It yeah. Sounds ridiculous. You saying it? He just, he just like you said yourself. He just does so many stupid things in a row. <laughs> like he sets C four, so he sets a tripwire on a bridge with C four mm. that gives the person who activates the tripwire enough time to run back across the bridge to yeah. safety before it blows. He said he gives like them four minutes rather than just bringing the roof down on their heads in that cave. Like he goes, yes, said, that's true. It's like. Just the, and then the the whole like yeah throw me the money I'll, I'll winch down the girl first so many stupid stuff. But it's also have you ever I don't think I've ever written like a oh, maybe we have done this like a baddie where you end up doing baddie talk. So that thing I'm really hung up on where he's like do you have what we need? It's like why have you se- do you mean the suitcase? <laughs> yes, like why not just say what you mean? But it's because people think it's the way baddies talk, especially it, British baddies. It's fun when Travers sort of makes fun of him. Yeah. Where Quaylen goes, stop using my name. This line isn't secure. And he goes, Eric Quaylen, Eric Quaylen, <laughs> Eric Quaylen. <laughs> that is good. I just think I get what he's trying to do. I get that this film needs a baddie like that. And I think he does it well enough to be the MVW. Fair enough. Uh, what would you change, Alex? Uh, bats. Get rid of the bats. <laughs> no bats for me, thanks. Uh, I do I do think there are enough exciting, dangerous things on a mountainside that you can have fun with and do action sequences around. And granted, well, it you goes can, through... you can have a wolf there. We've got wolves. Yep. If you want an animal there, have Stallone punch a wolf. It's one of my changes. <laughs> That's a good change. Yeah, Stallone punching a wolf. You know, you know, usurp the grey about two decades earlier <laughs> uh, where Liam Neeson doesn't even fucking fight no, a wolf. Talk about a bad trailer. <laughs> there, there you go. That's a lying a lie. trailer. <laughs> fucking lie. We will do it, though. Uh, yeah, of course we will. Um, but I just think if you're going to have bats, then like it, there's an obvious thing here where sliced on is don't move, Jesse. The bats will fly off, and then the bats do fly off because she loses a shit because she's a woman. Yes. <laughs> um, in this movie, and so the bats fly off, and that alerts 
Quailen to where they are. And so it's like, that's why oh, nice. I didn't want her to yeah. move because the bats fly out of the cave. They go, there they are, bomb the shit out of that bit of cave. Yes. And so at least that gives the bats a purpose. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Uh, what about you? Well, speaking of that, I was a huge fan of Janine Turner at the time. Do you, you guys watch Northern Exposure? No. Just, mate, you'd love it. You would love that show. Would amazing okay. show, amazing character. She's great in it. G- give her some agency, some power. She's, she's a great <coughs> pilot. So have, have a chopper chase through the mountains. I know this film costs too much money, yeah. but give her something to do. But actually, uh, just talking here, I've thought that maybe, I've come up with a new change. Let me think about it in my head. That... Gabe's redemption should come with him holding our villain over a drop. Yep. And his redemption is actually letting go on purpose rather than saving him. I don't know if that's redemption, but it'd be satisfying to watch. It would be cool. Mine is really similar to yours. Jessie needs to use her flying skills to save the day. Like, even if we can't afford a chase... She's in a helicopter with Quaylen. Can't she rest control or oh, do you whatever? Well, no, Sly and Quaylen having a fight in the back of the helicopter. Yeah, and she's it's, flying. The it's, it's unbalancing the helicopter. Yeah. And she's in control. Yeah. My real one, though, is when, so when Gabe burns the money, I think we are being told he doesn't need money. He's in touch with himself, with nature. He's a happy man. He's not tempted by money. Fine. Then he fucking shreds money and it's like, this is bananas at this point. So I think he shouldn't do that. I think he shouldn't have burnt all of it. Should he should have kept it. No. <laughs> he should have kept just enough. And by just enough, I mean a small amount so the audience doesn't hate him to buy a thing that means him and Jesse can live happily ever after. So when he goes back to see her, she's like, this is our home, but it's under threat because you walked out on me, Gabe, and I need... $3,000 in order to keep our home. And then he, he gets the $3,000. You're putting Gabe in prison. No, because no one knows because the money's all been burnt. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. It's still a crime. Because I was wondering, is him, is them destroying this money a crime? I don't know. Because this money doesn't belong to them. I think and you can do are... anything in those circumstances. I think if you're being shot at by works? bad guys. <laughs> yes. I, 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 I think they go, listen, you know, it's, be- it's better that you destroyed it and Quaylen has it. I think your idea is good, but I don't think it should be for him and Jesse. I think it should be as a, a monument to, to Sarah. Sarah. Yeah, you're right. So that the, the tower that she died on, it's kind of like a mini Mount Rushmore. Yeah. They sculpt her face yeah. into the rock. And so whenever you look up, there's Sarah's big face <laughs> on the rock. And that's the, that's the everlasting yep. tribute to Do you to really Sarah. think the authorities would prefer the money to be destroyed than the villain oh, get it, where they've got that. a chance of getting it back? I'm, I'm thinking about it. It's the... just paper, Chris. They just cancel it from the budget and then they print it again. No big deal. That's, yeah. how, that's economics, dude. That's not... Okay. <laughs> that's not uh, isn't that me. how hyperinflation works? <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, is that the ending that you really wanted? Where they sort of sit game down and go, "Now we, we have to sell you, Vic Gabe. What you what you've done yes. is, is, is take you in handcuffs. It's just fundamentally illegal. That fucking snowman you made. Yeah, it looked funny. Is it funny now? No, it's we, not. We were hovering nearby in our own helicopter when we watched you throw a rucksack full of our money. That was that <laughs> was just some blades. That was English tender. That was the Queen's face. You're in a lot of trouble, my friend. <laughs> okay, good. We're done. Great. Quiz. Uh, we're going to do another round of Crash of the Title. Oh, no. Reminders of the rules. Let's amp up the tension. <laughs> um, I'm going to describe two films that have been smushed together by title. And they're right. in order. Uh, yeah. That's the bit that gets me because my brain can't, oh. I can't cope with it anyway, but that just feels like a lot uh, of work. They are all in order. I've forgotten how it works. Give us an example. Have you got an example? No, but oh. I'm going to say, I'm going to describe the plot of two films as one. Right. And then the titles have been smushed together. Okay, to create a brand new film title. A brand new film Fine, title. Right, I think I get it. Okay. So, 
Film one. A giant asteroid is averted by a man dressed in a rabbit costume. Oh, okay. Uh, what's oh, it called? Um, I can't. I... No, that's not. Oh, D. Armageddon Arco. <laughs> <laughs> Donnie Darko. Armageddon Arco. Armageddon Arco. What? You got it. Armageddon Arco. Look at that oh, face. Oh, please. Please let's put that on Twitter. Well played, that face. That uh, fucking. That uh, was like. That was like. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding? Armageddon Darko. No. It's a ter- it's honestly terrific. Um, uh, um handsome Las Vegas thieves end up on a jury. Um, Ocean's eleven men. Eleven eleven. Ocean's uh, twelve angry men. Correct. <laughs> um a, a woman uh, sees Scotsman. Taking drugs while on her morning commute. Um, train wreck spotting. No. Train, train spotting, spotting wreck. Sliding doors. <laughs> no. Train spotting. It's a young woman who sees these Scotsmen. What? Oh. <laughs> I don't know. Don't away. It's girl on the train spotting. Oh, that's uh, good. That's yeah. good. That was yeah. good actually. Yeah. Should, someone should have got that. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> vampire mansplains jazz to actress. Wow. Okay. Dracula La Land. <laughs> Correct. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> uh, this is the last one. I'm going to look at you, Vicky. Okay. Because um, one of these films is for you. Okay. Uh, teenage girls head to the outback for food, then run into someone with a Mockney gangster accent. It's, Picnic it's... on hanging rock and roller. Oh, Correct. <laughs> Unbelievable. That's my film. That's my favourite film. I know, I know it is of all time. Of would, all time. I would love to see Picnic at hanging rock and roller. <laughs> That's a good idea. Uh, Alex, you won. Congratulations. Yay! Normal service is resumed. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what you mean. <laughs> uh, right then, that is us done with Cliffhanger. Of course, Vertical Limit is coming on Thursday. But next week, mm. they're your choices, Victoria. Yeah. I realise that you're absent from next week's show. Yeah. Ooh. But did you do a clue? No. Right, okay, good. So we're back to you, Chris. I came up with one while we were sitting here. Excellent. It's not the best clue I've ever done, Okay, but it's a clue nevertheless. Can I give a clue that one of these movies I hadn't heard of until you told me? I was going to add that as a sub-clue. Great. Yes, definitely. So the clue is uh, Mentor Melee. The clue is Mentor Melee. But as Alex says, one of these films is very well known. One of these films is not very well known. So Mentor Melee, or Melee, depending on your pronunciation, is the clue. There'll be another one following that on Twitter. And that really is it for this episode. Do check in with us on Twitter, where we are at ClashPod. Also at ClashPod on Instagram. We're also on TikTok, where you can see videos from the show. Until then, please subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Tell your friends about us. We'll be back on Thursday, talking Vertical Limit. Bye-bye. Clash of the Titles is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. A 
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.